the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When you make it grow, here's certified financial planner and Money 2.0 host, Chad Burton. Welcome into Money 2.0. I'm your host, Chad Burton, certified financial planner. As a CFP for the last over 19 years, if you want a second opinion on a money issue, taxes, insurance, retirement planning, investing, get your calls in the air. Love to talk to the listeners, 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. If you're too shy to call in, pull over, shoot me an email, chat at chadburton.com. A couple of emails to go over, try to catch up with on listeners today. But let's talk a little bit about what happened in the markets today. The market really didn't open with much new news from the U.S. today. So by the end of last week, we all know the sequestration was going to hit. It's going to be with us for a couple of months. Who knows? could be longer before they agree on better cuts than the current cuts that are being implemented. But the market... Continue to push forward. The S&P 500 up 0.46%, Dow up 0.27%, NASDAQ up 0.39%. And the good part about it was a little bit of a late-day rally. Typically, the smart money comes in at the end of the day, not at the beginning of the day. And we, cause, you know, we already know about the sequestration, $85 billion in stupid cuts. It's going to amount to about $1.2 trillion over the next 10 years. Our current budget, or our current debt is over $16 trillion. Now, a lot of that's by the Federal Reserve, which is there, you know, to keep this in perspective in terms of why the market's not freaking out at this point in time due to the sequestration. Number one is companies aren't issuing layoffs, especially in the defense sector, until next month. They've got to give a notice, so those notices are going out now. But the effects to the overall economy aren't going to be seen for a while. They're only showing up right now in the expectations for how this next quarter is going to go. And if you look at some of them, even though the companies have beat on revenue and earnings this last quarter, they're not giving us a whole heck of a lot of positive words for this next quarter. That's all, well, it's going to be later in the year. Later in the year, later in the year. So we've got the sequestration, which is ugly cuts across the board, mostly in defense. Really, I keep saying across the board, but really half of it's in defense. $85 billion of cuts. But keep that in mind that right now the Federal Reserve is buying $85 billion per month of bonds to keep interest rates low. Let's keep that in mind. It's not like it's a huge amount of you know, the annual budget or of our current debt or what the Federal Reserve is spending to help stimulate this economy right now, which in my opinion they need to stop. Like I said before, we've gone from a situation where the Federal Reserve has done a good job in terms of keeping interest rates low and getting, the, you know, the, getting people to shift into more aggressive assets and kind of jumpstart the economy again. But now we're kind of getting to the point where now they own all these bonds and they're getting paid the interest on all these bonds instead of retirees and and uh, you know other people that could otherwise be putting that interest to work. So 
it's time for the Fed to slowly exit to be a very well-communicated exit. Banks need higher interest rates to make money in the longer term. And, you know, higher rates can be good for stocks if it's a slow, gradual increase. But you do get to a point where this is a long ways away, a very long ways away, because we're looking at uh, – what is a 10-year bond at right now? Uh, let me pull that up in a minute to be precise on it. But you get to the point where, you know, if we double the rates in the 10-year bonds, you get to, you know, 4% on 10-year bonds. That's when you stop that, that look, okay, boy, 4%, 10-year bond, not too bad. That's what a, retire, a lot of retirees might look like, and that's when you get into that shift of stocks to bonds versus what's going on now, which is bonds to stocks. So we did have some international news today. The UK saw construction purchasing management index reading to 46.8. Now, any reading on any of these ISM, PMI, any of these economic readings that you see, the one thing that you remember is that anytime you see a reading under 50, it means contraction. And this is the lowest since October of 2009. So it's kind of like you've had to slow down again in the UK. Italy's still having trouble. They've been unable to form a coalition government. And the bigger news that affected emerging markets across the board is China took steps to curb speculation in residential property market, which didn't go over well. Most funds were only down a few percent, but the Shanghai was down like 3.4%. Keep in mind, when I invest internationally, especially in China, I do not want the indexes. I want a good managed fund because there's a lot of things that look good in China, but I would really not want a lot of financial exposure. If I did, I'd want a manager knowing exactly what they own because there's certain things that are going on in China in terms of these uh, wealth management products. They're like kind of like sold as certificates of deposits, kind of like timed deposits, but they're not, you know, obviously there's not an FDIC insurance, but they're, they're, they're sold as high interest bearing products. And some of them have kind of, blown up in people's faces, and that's something that I'm keeping an eye on over there. Um, other than that, again, it's an issue of 14 million people per year coming from the farms to the cities becoming consumers. So, yeah, we all know the the exporting or the exporting of jobs to China is slowing down greatly um, because it's a maturing economy, meaning that people are demanding higher wages and better you know, product, I guess you could say. So now it's going to be a consumer-based situation in terms of a long-term investment thing. And it's a good thing that they're trying to curb speculation in residential real estate. Real estate bubbles can bring down an entire economy for a decade. Just look at what happened here. So it's a good thing. But again, it sent the tone for regional markets. Japan, though, up a bit, 0.4% or so. We had uh, the Bank of Japan nominee, the governor, rather, nominee for governor of the Bank of Japan, the guy that we've been talking about, the guy that's really endorsed the need for very aggressive monetary easing, basically confirmed, so he's in. Apple was down another 2.4% today to 420 bucks. So it's on a day where Buffett's staying, he's still buying stocks and putting cash to work while Apple is hoarding cash, so Jim Cramer this morning called Apple the anti-Buffett. Now, look, I doubt that that lasts. I think Apple even knows they have to do something better with their cash, but they don't want to do it with, you know, the aggressive. Is it Einhorn or yeah, Einhorn went in and you know basically sued Apple, um, and a lot of people are expecting the board to announce a higher dividend at this last shareholder meeting, but. 
I don't. I wouldn't have done it either because I don't want to do it just out of to make it look like I'm in fear. I would do it in well time and make sure that I know solid plans for the year. So um, Apple does definitely need to put an in- increase in their dividend on a constant basis because it's no longer a super hyper growth story. It's a company that's matured and. It's a company that needs to start returning more cash to shareholders, for sure. Now, right along with the sequestration out there, General Dynamics, <clears throat> and if you look at these stocks, some of the stocks, they already took huge, huge uh, drops prior to this implementation. So they've, just, they've actually been holding up pretty well, such as General Dynamics. But they're a primary constructor of ships for the U.S. Navy, and they warned about 1,040 employees today of indefinite layoffs that may, keyword, may come in late April due to uncertainty created by automatic U.S. budget cuts that took effect last week. And so, so the warnings come as military contractors are, are weighing all these uncertainties that are out there. As the government looks at 85 billion cuts in spending, and half of that's pretty much in the defense sector. And what happens, and the reason why they're warning of these layoffs, is the U.S. Worker Adjustment and Re. Training Notification Act, otherwise known as WARN, requires most companies with 100 100 or more employees to give notice 60 days in advance of a mass layoff or plant closing. So I get the question, does does the sequestration, how is it affecting retirees? Well, a couple of ways. First of all, it's it's talked about as taking about 1% off GDP growth. And we're already in a situation where companies aren't growing their revenues that fast. It was better than expected this last quarter. So market rallied as a result of it. Earnings look good, but we, we need, look, we need, in the long term, you need growing GDP. Now, keep in mind, it's not all U.S.-based. Cause a lot of companies have 50% of their revenue coming out of the U.S. So you need, you know, over 2% GDP growth. Typically, when you fall underneath 2% GDP growth, you fall into a recession. So we need over 2% GDP growth, and companies able to ro- grow revenue, you know, more 5 to 6% range minimum to get continued stock price appreciation. And so how does the sequestration affect retirees? Well, first of all, the layoffs are going to affect the economy, which will affect portfolios. But in terms of what's going on to Social Security and Medicare, that's the big problem with this. The sequestrations are so stupid. It's, it's such a small portion of the overall debt. It's just a dumb cut just because they couldn't agree on anything because there's no leadership in Washington at all. And we've got career politicians that are worried, more worried about their, their term next time than doing the right thing. So the stuff that's really screwing up our economy in the long run which is Social Security and Medicare, it's not going to work the way it currently is structured. That is not being really affected. But hospitals and doctors, though, in terms of bigger programs, it's not being affected, but how it might affect retirees in terms of their health care. After April 1st, hospitals and doctors are going to face 2% cuts in the amounts that Medicare reimburses them for services rendered to recipients. So patients themselves aren't going to see any reduction in benefits, many say, but hospitals are going to be laying off like 200,000 jobs this year as a result of this if the whole sequestration is in full effect. So that's why even though they kicked in March 1st, it's really a lot of this stuff doesn't come in until after April. So that's why they have some more time to deal with what these issues are. And that's where you could see it, getting into care, making your appointments. We all have already heard how the sequestration could cause an hour longer wait because of TSA at, at uh, the airport. 
And since I fly every two weeks, I'm definitely not looking forward to that. If I've got to wait an extra hour every time I fly, I'll be doing a lot more virtual meetings. I can tell you that. Go to meeting. Go to. Oh, by the way, webinar Wednesday night, all about retirement planning, how to set up your portfolio. Check that out. You can go to newfocusfinancial.com. It's free to sign up, limited space, so sign up today if you can. So if you want to know everything you need to know about retirement, how to draw on your portfolio, how to set up your portfolio, and what is, portfolio, what is retirement cost? That's what I'm going to cover on Wednesday night. For example, I'm going to talk about some of the uh, health care costs you need to know about in the next segment. But it's, it's, a real, it's going to be a real shock for a lot of people on how expensive retirement can be because you saved all this money in 401Ks and IRAs. That hasn't been taxed yet. You've got to pay Uncle Sam. Then you've got to buy Medigap and, and supplemental insurance and, and all this other stuff just to be able to stay in retirement. And that's something that you need to know about. So, again, that webinar is free. You can go to newfocusfinancial.com to sign up. We'll talk about some of the issues that I'll cover um, on the next segment. If you want to get your calls in there, 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220 to get your questions on the air. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Welcome back into Money 2.0. Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner. If you want to get your calls in the air, 800-516-1220. A couple things I want to talk about today. One is the 4% draw rule. There's a good article at the Wall Street Journal today. And, uh, well, let me, let me just say this. It starts really good, and then it gives you a static opinion. And if there's one thing that I've learned about investing, things change, and certain things that work well now aren't going to work well in 10 years. For example, for people that are over 55 and they're looking for a bond alternative in their retirement accounts, certain no-load annuities that have income guarantees are a good bond alternative to, for maybe 20% of your portfolio if you're older and you're close to retirement. But if interest rates on high-quality corporate bonds, AAA rated, you know, 10-year or less duration – get back under that, you know, get back up to, say, 5 5.5% or higher, then that's not going to be the same thing. They won't be as attractive. And there's certain articles out there that make a statement and then people are going to retire and think that that statement's correct for the next 35 years. Not the case. Here's a statement that your grandparents made. Well, one statement that my grandfather always used to make, he's the guy that got me into the business, so I started working with old people uh, from the age of 19 while I was still going to college and doing this wealth management retirement planning thing. So that's why I really specialize in that area. And you say two things all the time. One of them, we're all here because we're not all there. He, he loved that one. We're all here because we're not all there. The other one was that uh, he, when, when he started getting older, he said the nice thing about being senile is that you can hide your own Easter eggs. That one always cracked me up. He's a funny guy. Very, very good guy. But one of the things that I watched you know, that, that I learned from watching him age as well, since he took you know, about 17 pills the, uh, the day he died, and he was on dialysis three days a week, is that people don't really fully prepare for the cost of health insurance. And people are even seeing this in Japan, too, as, as the aging population of Japan, Japan is really affecting their overall stock market. It used to be where you know the older people would move in with the younger people, and 
they would take care of them for the rest of their life. And that was even the cultural accepted thing and, and the assumed thing in Japan. And that's going to change where you're starting to see nursing homes pop up all over the place. And kids are just not able to do that. Having to have two working people in the family, for example. You've got to know what your health insurance costs are in retirement. And so this is really addressing everyone. And this is why we always say, you know, starting from the day you start working, you've got to save 15% of your pay. And that's, if you do that, it's going to add up to millions of dollars. Would you need that much to retire? Yeah, you do, because of inflation and health care costs. When you hit age 65, many of you, you're still going to be working, um, and you're not even going to be taking Social Security yet. But when you get age 65, you can sign up for Medicare, right? And Medicare Part A is for free, but that's kind of the comprehensive. And the, the, to put it in very simple terms, it's kind of the big program that covers the big hospital bills, let's say, okay? But then you need Medicare Part B. And Medicare Part B right now is about 105 bucks a month. And by the way, if you make a lot of money and you have certain means testing, you're going to pay two to three times that amount. But so that means if you get on Medicare, you still have 105 bucks a month for Medicare Part B. But Medicare has huge deductible issues, right? You have very large deductibles. So people get Medigap coverage, or supplemental insurance. Now, over your lifetime, when you're younger at 65, it's not going to be as much, but when you're older, it is. It could be more. So the average can be about 210 bucks a month for that Medigap coverage. Now, on average, what people pay over their lifetime for prescription drugs, and now that's going to be Medicare Part D for you, but you have usually costs on top of that. Over your retirement lifetime from 65 to age 100, you're going to average about 240 bucks a month. All right, so you think you're pretty well covered, right? You got your Medicare, you got Medigap, and you got your your supplemental uh, Medicare Part D and prescription drug coverage, and your out-of-pocket costs. You're not done yet because if you go into a nursing home and you stay over a certain period of days, that cost is on your own. You're talking 70 to 120 thousand dollars a year in the Bay Area. And that is something that Medicare is not going to cover. So a lot of people choose when they're 55 to 65 to buy long-term care insurance, and that also helps people stay in their own home because it'll pay for somebody to take care of you. But that's about 250 to 300 bucks a month if you shop at the younger ages. So if we put that all together, that is about 855 dollars per month that you're going to have as a cost in retirement. On average, it doesn't, it's not going to be that much in the beginning, but you have to set aside money to do that. Now, the other thing that I haven't mentioned on this is the dental coverage. That's not even in here either. That's why you see other studies out there that say, well, Fidelity says you've got to put $250,000 of your portfolio aside to pay for ancillary medical costs, co-pays, dental insurance, and all that kind of stuff. It's a huge cost. So the health care costs... And the inflation, that's what eats away at your retirement. Not only that, but now retirees are dealing with lower interest on fees and bonds. That's causing that 4% withdrawal rule to be challenged. That's what we're going to talk about coming back after. Want to get your calls in the area, 800-516-1220. We'll be right back. Welcome back into Money 2.0. I'm your host, Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner. If uh, you are within 10 years from retirement, at retirement, in retirement, and you're trying to say, okay, do I have enough? 
how do I set up my portfolio? Which accounts are the, do I draw from first? What's the most tax-efficient uh, tax way to do this? How much safe money do I need in my portfolio? Cash stocks, bonds, funds, dividend-paying stocks, alternative investments that are out there. What should be in my portfolio? And also, how to not get sold in certain products. You want to make sure that you're using fee-based advisors that can say they're a fiduciary. And how you rebalance. I mean, right now you've got a quarter where the market has rallied and given us a return equal to what a typical decent year is in the market. So if you haven't peeled out of your stocks and replenished the amount of cash you should have on hand, now is a good time to look at doing that. Last year the market did the same thing through March and then pulled back, almost 10%. So the comparables next quarter and the quarter after are going to be pretty tough. And so rebalancing and trimming gains in your portfolio and the timing of doing that is very important. And if you want to sit in the comfort of your own home with a beer or a glass of wine and see how I do it, you want to sign up for the free webinar. It's this Wednesday, 6.30. It's free. You just got to sign up. Go to newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. You can sign up for free and see, you know, are you even close to being ready for retirement? You know, on the website, too, there is a uh, quick and dirty chart, I call it, that you can download on how much do you need to retire. And it's a, it's a chart that shows you, based on what assumed rate of return you're getting, assuming 3% inflation, assuming your age and how long you're going to be retired, how long will your money likely last? And it's very quick and dirty because there's a huge problem with online calculators. And this is just a chart you can download. But online calculators don't really look at your specific situation. Because a retiree that has a million dollars in a 401k is very different from a retiree that has 300000 in a 401k, $300,000 in a Roth, and $400,000 in a taxable account. It's a very different tax situation, and the person that's more diversified and account-wise is going to have less taxes, especially if they do it right. And you've got to have a very detailed income plan. And most of the plans out there are very just general. I mean... The biggest one that people used to say is that you're going to need less when you retire than what you have now, that you're going to need about 70% of your income when you retire of when you are working. Total bunk, total bunk. I see people spend more money in the first years of retirement, like I always say, because they're doing the honey-do list and they're doing the bucket list. They're doing stuff they didn't have time to do when they were working. And you ask most people when they retire, they're like, I don't even know how I had time to work. That's if you're doing it right, if you're staying busy and you have a lot of things that you enjoy. And so, you know, how long is your money going to last? And this is another issue. And this whole economic boom and bust has been very, very tough on people that are retired. And now it's affecting them on, on usually about 40 to 50% of their portfolio because interest rates are so extremely low. So there's an article that starts out really good in the Wall Street Journal. And uh, this was out, I think it went out on Friday. I can send you the Wall Street Journal link if you email me, chat at chadburton.com. But, you know, the idea is to have your nest egg last for the whole, for your entire life. And conventional wisdom basically said if you took 4% of your savings the first year of retirement, and then you take that amount plus an additional amount each year to adjust for inflation, you should have at least three decades worth of money. And that really started out, it was basically kind of that 4% rule was, Back in the 90s, there was a financial planner named William Benjamin, and uh, 
it, it was kind of later defined, and then you have Monte Carlo simulation. And really what they did is if you had 60% of your holdings in large company stocks and 40% in intermediate-term U.S. bonds, you could sustain withdrawal rates starting at about 4.15% and adjusted each year with inflation. So because you, you've got to pull out more every single year to keep up with inflation. And you know what? It was beautiful while it lasted. And then that following next two decades had three huge bubbles. And now interest rates on bonds have been cut more than half. So is that rule real? This article goes on to talk about, hey, this one guy says, you don't even need bonds. He says you put 60% of your money in stocks, 40% in annuities, and you can get a better outcome. And the kind of annuities he's talking about is single premium immediate annuities, which I think is a total crock right now. Basically what you're doing is you're giving your money to an insurance company in exchange for a lifetime payout that you can't outlive, but it's at really low interest rates, and it's going to be locked away for the rest of your life. So I'll talk about a better way to do it coming back after the break. If you want to get your calls in the air, 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. We'll take a quick break and be right back. Welcome back into Money 2.0. I'm your host, Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner. Talking a little bit about the 4% rule, and really what it is, is is dollar cost averaging. So a lot of people retire and they just say, okay, I can take 4% out of my portfolio a year. Every year I can take a little bit out more, a little bit more out each year to adjust for inflation. And so if I go into retirement with a portfolio of 40% stocks, 60% bonds, I should be okay, right? An example of when it worked, and I'll give this, if you want to sign up for the webinar, which is Wednesday night, this, this you know, day after tomorrow, 6.30, you can learn how to set up your portfolio in retirement from, for free from the comfort of your own home, glass of wine, nice good microbrew, whatever it may be, and you can see some of these charts that I'm looking at, but that scenario, let's say you retired at, at, uh, in 1970 with 500 grand, and you pulled 5% out of your portfolio, and you adjusted it for 4% inflation when the market had really high inflation from 1970 to 2008. That retiree that was pulling that 5% out or 25 grand a year, increasing it every year with inflation, ended up with $4 million. $4 million. Why? Well, because the market started off flat to going nowhere, and then we had a huge bull market, basically starting in the 80s on up. One of the best market runs in history. Now, if you take those and reverse that, where the bull market comes first, you just totally flip-flop the returns, where the bull market comes first and the bad or flat market comes later in retirement, that same scenario would have ran out of money after 32 years. So that's what I say is timing is everything in retirement. It doesn't make a difference when you're 25 years old. If you're 25 years old and you're spending thousands of dollars to buy trading software that you think you're going to find the silver bullet – I tell you what, the silver bullet is you get good at selling software to people that you can get them to buy it and pay $1,500 for it. It's, it's not it's a timing issue and when you're young. Market dips, you just try to buy more. In retirement, how you set up your portfolio, when you alter your portfolio to get to retirement, when you pull the gains out of your portfolio on an annual basis to maintain a certain amount of safe money, timing is everything. 
So I was talking about this article at the Wall Street Journal, and I'll send you the link if you want to email me, chat at chadburton.com, about kind of a new way that a person in this article is looking at this. And a couple of advisors are out there. And, you know, what, what they're saying is like, okay, well, you could retire and take four – right now, just taking 4% a year out of a basic portfolio of 40% stocks, 60% bonds isn't going to work because bonds are paying in the toilet. They're paying half of what they were seven years ago. So that's not going to work anymore. So what they're saying is use annuities instead of bonds. And they go on to talk about the great use of annuities because they pay you for your lifetime no matter how long you live. Now, most annuities, the problem is, is that after you and your spouse are gone, the kids get nothing. Those are the traditional fixed annuities. So if you're giving you know, 40% of your portfolio to an insurance company at historically low interest rates, and then you know, 15 years later you and your husband get in a car wreck and die, your kids get nothing. The insurance company wins. It's not the annuities that I like in any way, shape, or form. So when you read these articles, also the other thing is that, you know what? They act like this idea of using, instead of bonds, of using annuities is the best thing you can do, and that's the best way to do it because of Monte Carlo simulation and backtesting and all this other garbage. Look, when interest rates on bonds at the triple you know, A-rated corporate quality shorter-term duration bonds get to be over 5 5.5%, the annuities aren't going to be as attractive anymore at all. In fact, for typically for about 20% of a person's portfolio, if they're within five years of retirement or in retirement, there's some good no-load annuities out there that allow you to invest 60% stocks, 40% bonds, but guaranteed lifetime income, no matter how long you live, of typically around 4 to 6%, depending on your age. And if you die, your kids just get what's left over in the account. Now, the issue is, is that the fees in these things are typically 1.5% higher than a basic balanced portfolio, but you're using it as a bond alternative. And until bonds get to a higher rate, it's a decent bond alternative. But you usually only want to do about 20% of your portfolio, and you only want to do no-load options where there's no fees to get in, and if you want to leave in six months, you can leave because things change, and annuities might not be attractive in four or five years. So you really have to be careful, really, really have to be careful on some of these articles that you see. And, and all of a sudden, they're, they're telling you like it's the holy grail. It's a good way to get you to think about some of the alternatives out there. Because if you would have heard me, I've been doing radio with Rob Black, the morning show host on the station, for over 14 years now. And if you would have heard us even five, six years ago, you would have heard us hammer on annuities saying they're, they're horrible. And I know, I, I know the industry very, very well. I mean, I got into this business at age 19. My grandfather retired from the banks, and I happened to be going to college, and he wanted some help setting up his office. And what he did at banks was sell annuities and mutual funds. And so I know the business inside and out. I know annuities inside and out. But I also knew, you know, into the career, about six years into it, I wanted to transition to a fee-based advisor because I didn't like selling product. If you're dealing with somebody that manages money – and they have to sell you something to get paid, can't you see the inherent conflict of interest there? And also, once they sell it to you, once they sell you a portfolio, if they're not tied to your portfolio in terms of earning income on a quarterly basis, why would they pay attention for to it for you? They have no incentive. So you've got to make sure that you're dealing with the right people. And I can tell you right now, fixed annuities – 
Um, unless you're single and you don't care what happens when you die, I wouldn't touch them with a 10-foot pole right now. There's nothing out there that looks good. There's a couple of no-load variable annuities that have income guarantees for life. That's okay, like I said, for a bond alternative for an IRA. Why an IRA? Because if you pull money out of an IRA, it's taxed ordinary income. So same thing with annuity. Gains are taxed with ordinary income. I go through a whole process of this in terms of looking at your portfolio in different pieces on the webinar on Wednesday night. And sign up for free, newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. But it really creates a system where you've got three years' worth of expenses in cash. And then you've got a balanced portfolio, dividend-paying stock portfolio, where the dividends increase every year. And you've got some a lifetime income guarantee source like we just talked about that's no load. And even things like structured note CDs, where you can get a CD that's usually five years long, and you can get your return based on movement in the stock market without the downside risk. There are out there, you get 30 40% of the upside over five years without any downside risk for maybe another one to two years worth of your income. So there's a whole system involved in how you set it up in the beginning, which accounts you draw from first, when you rebalance, and how you maintain a certain level of cash. Because cash is king during a market correction. You need a certain amount in retirement. If you want to get your calls in the air, 800-516-1220. 800 1220, we'll be right back. Limited, so be one of the first callers. This is Money 2.0 on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back into Money 2.0. Want to get your calls in the air? I got a couple minutes, I guess, 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Hope a lot of you would join me on Wednesday night for the webinar. If you want specifics on how that 357 plan works and how to allocate your portfolio going into retirement, that's what I'm going to talk about. It's free. Sit at home, your office. Well, I don't know about your office with a glass of wine, but at home with a glass of wine. Listen to how you calculate what retirement costs and how to make your money last. Um I think I'd sit in my office with a class, Ryan, since I'm the boss. That's okay. <laughs> Just don't drive home afterwards. Um, want to go to an email. And by the way, if you're too shy to email me, uh, if you're too shy to call in, you can email me at chat at chadburton.com or chat at newfocusfinancial.com. goes to the same place. And this is from David. When my now 18-year-old son was born, my uncle gave him some shares of what was then Daimler Chrysler stock in a UTMA of which I am the custodian. The value of the shares 18 years ago was roughly 10 grand. It's now approximately $8,600. Leaving aside the question as to what kind of idiot I w- would leave this money sitting in the same bad stocks for 18 years to waste money, I do need to know if now that my son is 18, I have to do something with the shares. Do they need to be transferred or sold? With the proceeds going into an account in his name? And if they are sold and he wants to invest money in something else, is there a specific way I'd need to proceed with that? Also, there are any tax consequences to either my son or me. I have no idea. Uh, any help you could offer would be appreciated. All right, UTMA, what is it? Well, let's say you want to set an account up for a kid, but you don't want to spend the costs of, of, to an attorney to create a trust. And you just want the kid to get the account at the age of majority. Now, the age of majority varies by state. For example, where I have a, most of my clients in California, the age of majority is 18. 
But in Oregon, which I have a ton of clients in because we have an office in Vancouver, Washington, right across the river from Portland, Oregon as well, um, the age of majority is age 21. So what happens to these UTMA accounts that the parents are typically the custodians of is at the age of majority, you're supposed to have the kid go in if they know about it and have them re-register the account and take the custodian off the account. So the kid just ends up owning it at the age of majority. That's why it's a real tough thing to want to save money in UTMA accounts for children because what if you open an account and you get several thousand dollars in it and by the time Johnny's 18, he's a, a heroin addict? Guess what? Nothing you can do. The only thing that you can do as a custodian on these accounts is spend the money on these kids for their benefit, for anything for school, health care, uh, you know, buy them a guitar for music lessons. You have to just make sure that you keep records of it. So in this situation, they're gonna have to, he's going to have to re-register the account to the kid. Now, when the kid sells the stock, the basis in the stock is the basis of whatever it was when the uncle gave it to him. And so you're going to have to look back at what the stock was trading at in that year and do your best attempt at creating what, uh, in recreating the cost basis. That's what the IRS wants to know. Did you do the best attempt to, to, to do that? And it sounds like the stock has been hit over that period of time, so the son, when he sells it, could actually take a loss on his tax return and either reinvest it, or if the, the son is working, he's over 18 and he's working, He's eligible for a Roth IRA. Why not take some of that money and open up your own Roth IRA and invest it in something new? So that's the way it's going to work. Now, UTMAs, a lot of people think they can invest a bunch of money for their kids and avoid taxes because the kids are going to be at a tax, lower tax break. But there's a thing called a kitty tax where the first $950 reported $950 of investment income for the kid, if you're dealing with these accounts under age 18, um, they get kind of a what are they, the it's a it's kind of a credit they can the next 950 is taxed at a certain rate but anything over $1900 is taxed at the parents rate and if the kids still in college and you're claiming them on your return it can be taxed to your rate even up until i think it's like age 23 so don't think that you're going to get away with a lot of taxes. Well, that's it for the show. Sign up for the webinar this Wednesday. Go to newfocusfinancial.com. Thanks for listening. Diamonds. The Jewelry Exchange has major interests in overseas diamond offices and cutting factories. We have one of the largest selections and some of the best deals you'll find anywhere. One carat certified solitaire. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.